Well, if we look at it from a biological standpoint, sex is an attachment behavior. Um, we are mammals, we forget that. We like to think that we're separate from nature and so above it and beyond it, but actually, no, we're animals living on a natural earth um, <laughs> and sex is an attachment behavior. Welcome back to Open Late Podcast, loves. I'm your host, Jessica Spandiari, and this week I have with me Angelica Elena. She is a guide to relational and erotic intelligence, and uh, we've met on a few occasions, and truth be told, I've been wanting to have you on my show for a few years, um, and I'm super happy that you're here and we get to do this today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Grateful to be here. Yeah. Well, I want to dive right in because we already started chatting about some fun things before we hit record, which is usually the way. And um, I'll share with everyone for a little bit of context. I, I listened to an episode of yours years ago, right around the time that we first met. We met through mutual friends at a beautiful event in Topanga, California. I'll set the backdrop for my listeners. Um, and you, you led us through... Just like a nice grounding movement uh, practice, I think, like earlier in that day. And, um, or somebody else did, actually. And I connected with you about memory lane. And you had this amazing energy about you. You were so grounded. And this was earlier on in my days of getting into energy work. And I just felt like you had this calmness to you, this centeredness that like really nothing could kind of throw you off. And I started listening to your podcast and following your work. And I'm like, oh, this girl, her practices are strong. And that's just how I, I've always viewed you um, as someone who was really mm. devoted to self. And uh, so thank you for that gift. Uh, first of all, without really knowing each other, that's just sort of how I've kind of seen you in this way. Um, and I started listening to your podcast and I, I don't even remember the name of the episode or when it was, but you talked about the way that you related to sex and intimacy, really intimacy, um, based on needs and how, you know, maybe we're relating sexually to a partner in the beginning because we're trying to get the need of safety and security met, right? And then uh, as we go along, you know, with some people are, you know, basic human needs trying to get met with safety and security, like a roof over their head or food on the table. Um, and then it's more about like belonging, connection to partner. And, you know, in long-term relationships, as I talk about a lot on the show, these things fizzle out, right? We, <laughs> and, and it's like, what, why, right? Is it the pheromones or the chemistry or the hormones? Is it, you know, the, the two-year itch? Um, but eventually the way that you saw it, I was like, this is how I see it too. We need to have a different need met. We're trying to fill a different need with connection, with intimacy. And you put the words to it. You said, you know, when you move up this ladder, it's like, this can be a vehicle for enlightenment. This can be, you know, sex and connection can be that for self-actualization. And I was like, yes. And so <laughs> this is a little bit trippy, but here we are a few years later, and I would love to talk about how you arrived to this concept. Um, and then we can talk all about, you know, who you are and where you're from later, but I like to dive right in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, um, 
appreciate the reflection sister so thank you for that i i coach a lot of coaches and something that i'll often say to them is that the depth of your practice will be the thing that introduces you and it doesn't you know oftentimes we meet people and they have a really beautiful special energy and of course we have our own unique essence but i really do believe that every single human is capable of actualizing their fullest energetic potential through devotion to practice. If you show up every morning, every day, and you sit at the altar, whatever that means for you, whether that's going for a surf, but you're super mindful, whether it's a literal altar like me, whatever that means, and you sit and you practice with that level of devotion, you're going to build an inner infrastructure, a level of energetic mastery that people will feel. And then all of a sudden, your energy becomes a gift. And of course, everyone's energy has that potential. We all are a gift in just our presence alone. But I just think it's a really beautiful, important thing to highlight that um, we can all do that. So I appreciate that reflection. And yeah, I think that that was an episode where I was talking about um, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which you highlighted. You know, we have the fundamental, basic, physical needs for safety and security. And then we move into emotional needs. And then sense of belonging and significance then we want to have you know when we talk our community listens or you know feel like what we what we do matters and then we move up 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 until we get to that tip of the triangle which is that self-actualization and yeah I think for thousands of years women have had to trade radiance sexuality love for security when we live in a patriarchal society that's just simply what happens if we don't give women access to education and resources and we expect them to rely on their um, connection to a man, whether father, sibling or marriage for their sense of safety and security, then that's when you get that base of the triangle exchange. And there's nothing wrong with that exchange. You know, like I think that that it just is what it is and we can get certain needs met. Um, But once those needs are met, And ultimately as well, if we look at it from a biological standpoint, sex is an attachment behavior. Um, We are mammals. We forget that. We like to think that we're separate from nature and so above it and beyond it. But actually, no, we're animals living on a natural earth um, (laughs) and sex is an attachment behavior. And so once, yeah, so once we're securing that attachment, which kind of moves us then from just basic physical needs of pair bonding and exchanging resources and using sex as a way to fortify um, that that bond that helps us to exist and protect. Like if you think about them in, in society, like why do we pair bond even before, let's say, modern civilization when we were cavemen? Um, we wanted to secure and exchange resources and to share the burden of survival with one another. And sex was a part of fortifying that attachment. So once that need is met, you know, as you explained, um, we're going to move into using sex for more emotional reasons. Um, and if we already have that need met, let's say we feel that our survival is secure, we have a roof over our head, we have a um, steady income stream, we're maybe less likely to be seeking that through sex. We might be like looking for love, looking for emotional intimacy and connection. We're moving up that ladder. Once that is met, you know, then we're moving up and up and up and up. Significance. Okay, I'm having sex because I feel chosen by you. Um, I feel, you know, the kind of like heteronormative, monogamous normative culture we live in is also perpetuating this idea of like the one and only, which I have my whole own beef with. But, you know, there's a whole host of complex needs because we're a whole 
complex set of emotions and needs that get met through sex. And then ultimately, and I think what I was sharing in the podcast is like, we get to a space where sex can become an opportunity for self-actualization, a space where we can grow, where we can go beyond ourselves, where we can heal, we can reenact in a safe way, potentially reclaim traumatic events and eroticize them and heal through them, where we can um, experience ourselves beyond our body and recognize actually I am an energetic spiritual being living in a material plane and I'm mediating this energetic process through my physical body. We can go beyond ourselves, beyond one another. And once we start to lean into that, the exciting thing there is I think the triangle doesn't end, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it does end. But this well of self-actualization is unending if we show up to that experience with curiosity. And the beauty to that is if we do feel that with one of our partners, with our partner or partners, there is that sort of, let's say, quote unquote, spark that's gone, um, we can continually reignite the spark. I'll often say to clients, like, sex, you might come through a different door when you've been with someone for a long time. The entry point changes. But as far as where you get to, very often if you've been with someone for a long time and you have a sexual intimate practice, like let's say some kind of sexual yogic or self-actualization practice baked into your, your, your sexual intimacy, where you get to can be far beyond any spontaneous, hot, horny, push up against the wall primal experience. And those experiences are wonderful too. They're just a different entry point, both hormonally um, and literally. And when we're you know with someone for a lot of time, we start to become more energetically similar. And there are benefits to that because when you're more energetically similar, you're more harmonious. There's less conflict, but there's also less polarity. And so the problem with that, the, the, the pro is, yay, yeah. we need collaboration. The con is, okay, now we're not maybe having as much spontaneous sex, there's less polarity, but the the choice point is, can we enter through a different door? Maybe I don't feel like it, maybe... Um, I'm tired, but if we have a commitment that sex is important to us in the same way that meditation is important to us, that eating well is important to us, if we decide that as an individual and as a couple, we prioritize this, that means that every time I sit down on the meditation pillow, I don't always want to meditate, but I do it every morning and I have done so for the last 10 years. Every time I lift weights, I don't always want to lift weights, but there's never been a single time where I've said, man, I wish I didn't meditate, lift weights or have sex with my husband. Never. Now, one time, how does that happen? So it's a different doorway. It's a doorway of devotion, to use that word you brought up earlier. I'm devoted to this because it matters to me. But what I think the misconception in society is that if it doesn't just fall from the sky in a spontaneous fashion, then there's something wrong with you, there's something wrong with your partner, or there's something wrong with your relationship, and it won't be good. And I am here to say that is absolute bullshit. (laughs) Not true. And unhelpful, actually. Very unhelpful. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. So, (laughs) so many things to go into Um, and and just so many uh, different avenues we can go down with everything you just shared. Um, I think it's so interesting to look at sex in a strategic way, the same way we would a devotional spiritual practice. Because it is, business, right? Honestly, <laughs> it truly is. And it, it is the, it's, the, it's the business of health 
truly, I feel like when you have a, an amazing sex life or, you know, as it's trendy to say now, like a well-fucked woman is, you know, all of the things that, that are expressive and beautiful and embodied. Um, but it is so true. And so I really appreciate that in the same, you know, in the, in the same thread that you can be talking about sex and awakening and spirituality, you can also be sharing that it's so important to, you know, do it daily and to look at it like, okay, we're going to go through these different doorways, like these different portals. doesn't have to be daily, um, but regularly. Or regularly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I was just in Asia and we made a commitment and this is the first time we'd ever done this 10 years in to, to being intimate. We're like, we're, we're going to have sex every day on this trip. Um, just as a, an amazing exercise because we have gotten to this place where, you know, building businesses and having lives and planning to have children, we were actually finding that it was very minimal, like maybe once a week in our lives, which is the, I think the most, uh, infrequent that we've ever been. And it was such an interesting and beautiful practice, um, that I will share more about at a later date. Um, but it brought out so much for us because it had us be creative about the doorway daily. Mm -hmm. So I think that's such a, a cool thing to bring up that you shared. And yeah, whatever it is for you, the listener, you know, um, maybe you make a commitment to do it three times a week if that's out of the norm for you or even once a week if you find that you're having sex less than once a month or something like that and just see what it brings in to make that commitment and devotion, right? I love that when we kicked off with that word. I had a question and this is, you know, probably towards the end of what you were sharing about how that well will never end, you said. And it had me think about this for the first time because when when you talk about working through trauma and using intimacy as a healing tool, um, you will likely revisit things in your own life or your patterns that were really uncomfortable and bring us to a place where we feel unsafe and insecure. And it had me thinking when you get to this place where it's like, oh, let's use this for expansion and healing in this realm of self-actualization does it bring you back? And it's almost like a multidimensional loop of to a place where, okay, I'm actually trying to get my security met in this moment, or I'm actually trying to have myself in a way, like have my own back and be safe in this moment emotionally to regulate my emotions. Um, so I, I saw it for the first time of like, oh, it can actually bring you to a place then where you're back at the bottom of the, the ladder in that sexual experience and you get yes. to sort of meet that need and like move up that ladder again. Yes. Well, Is that sort of what you, how you look at it? Yeah. You never leave the bottom of the ladder. So in a hierarchical reality, which the truth is we live in a hierarchical reality and we, we don't like to acknowledge that because we have so much abuse of power, but in a healthy hierarchical system, it's, you know, everything that layers on top of that system includes and transcends. I have cells in my body, right? And then the cells, they are included, but also transcended. There's a higher level of intelligence to the body as a whole living system. 
the brain includes the body, but also transcends it. There's a higher level of intelligence, right? So in the same way, yes, absolutely. You cannot have deep access without safety. You will not be experiencing self-actualization if you are trying to skip ahead. And here's where we have issues with power in our society when we're trying to transcend without including. That's a problem. And we're trying to dominate or be better than just because to say that my brain doesn't have, let's say, higher um, processing power than my body alone, it's just a fabrication. It does. It doesn't make it, um, it doesn't mean that my body is less valuable. No, they can't exist without one another. It's, it includes and transcends, includes and transcends. And I think that's how a healthy system works. So you're absolutely right. You will always be operating within each of those levels of needs and circling back Every time you feel that that need is compromised, you must circle back, circle back, restore so that you can include and transcend. Mm. Said so beautifully. Thank you. I can't wait to pull that <laughs> thread out and be like, this is the, everyone listen to this moment. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm curious about, you know, for for you being in this place, right? Um, how has your because I know that you also have this like beautiful spiritual practice. Angel and I met in a kind of ceremonial context, and so I've known over the years about your spiritual journey. You share it, you know, your work with plant medicine on your podcast, which of course we will link in the show notes for everyone. Awaken love. Um, I'm wondering because I I think it's different for everyone where your spiritual practice and work with plant medicine really intersects with intimacy. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I guess I love asking it because in many spaces, they are kept very separate. And in many traditions, they are meant to be separate for a reason. And so when I like meet with other women and other people in general who are doing this work, I'm always curious about where these, these things intersect. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I think for me, for a long time, those things felt like they had to be kept separate. Um, I've, you know, I, I have always felt myself to be an extremely sexual being. And the truth is we're all born erotic, like we're animals, like little kids hump pillows and find pleasure in whatever way possible. We don't associate that pleasure with specific humans or even body parts yet, because that's just not part of our programming. We're just in what I would call erotic innocence. And that's really mm. scary for our society. And because we don't talk about it, there's so much shadow around it. And then that actually makes it easier for predatory energy to come in. And so what we do based on that fear of the predatory energy is we see a child in their erotic innocence and we shame them, you know, pull your skirt down, put your knickers on, don't touch yourself, stop that. And what we're really saying is I'm afraid for you. I'm afraid for you demonstrating that energy, right? And what we would hope to move towards, my desire would be that we would be able to talk about safe spaces. You know, if a kid is masturbating in public, it's like, yes, we do want to give them the social programming um, that that isn't what we do. It's not a safe or appropriate thing to do, but without shaming them that that act itself is somehow wrong or bad or that they themselves are wrong or bad. 
you know, and being able to talk about safe right. spaces and safety and you can touch anywhere on your own body, but no one else should touch your body. And if an adult ever touches your body, you come to me and you can tell me and you will never get in trouble. Like these are conversations I never had. And I'm most people listening were never spoken to like this. I went to Catholic school since I was nine. Instead, it was like, don't have sex or you'll get chlamydia and you'll die as the mean girl scene goes. And it's yeah. like, so then we have this split in our psyche and we see that split represented on a collective level where we are primal animals. So we have sexual urges and we have impulses to seek pleasure that come online from the beginning of our, like as soon as we're born and they don't go anywhere but because it's not allowed, it's not accepted, whether it's by our um, family, whether it's our culture or our religion, we create this split between the primal and the human. And dare I say, if we go further and we have a spiritual practice and, and the spiritual or the religious, right? And now we have this, what happens with a split is it that that part of our personality, our psyche, our system doesn't go anywhere. We just drive it into our unconscious mind where it rules us more and we have far less influence over it. So mm. we see that split between spirit, religion, um, you know, and sexuality. And what's interesting is it, it points to this kind of Judeo-Christian idea of purity, especially for women. But purity is a trap. Purity is not just all good all light, purity is wholeness. And wholeness, what does it do? We talked about this earlier. It includes and transcends. To get to pure light, we include all colors, all experiences in the whole. That's wholeness. It's an inclusion and a, and a sense of connection. But in order to be connected to these parts of ourselves, they have to be in our conscious awareness. And so what most of us are missing are role models in our life and mm. guides to say, okay, especially as, as little girls, for example, when our power starts to come online, our sexual power particularly, and that might start to happen 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. It's quite a big spectrum of when women hit puberty and start to grow breasts and hair and have hormones and different urges. And what also happens in a patriarchal society that doesn't give women power or place in society is we don't feel very empowered. What also happens for children, right, is when you're a kid, you don't have much authority. You're just being told where to go, what to do, when to eat, when to sleep. And you'll see kids start to push back. They start to say, no, I want, and they start to learn different ways to manipulate power, right? We're animals and we're, we're social mammals at that. And we learn about power pretty quickly. Look at a toddler, they're learning all about power and it continues throughout our lifetime. And if we don't have a conscious relationship with that, if we don't have conscious guides who are themselves in a conscious relationship with power, but then we don't know how to interact with it consciously. Instead, what we have is usually parents who are manipulating one another, unconsciously trying to get their needs met through different strategies. And so we start to adopt all these strategies. You hit puberty and you're a, a little girl who hasn't felt much power. All of a sudden, huh, I got some power here. I can make things happen yeah. with this, right? But we don't keep our girls safe. Because we don't, we don't know how to wield that power yet. We don't know where that power leads. And very often, and myself, this absolutely happened, it cannot, can lead to dangerous situations where we're actually mm. not in power and we don't understand consent and things go too far, abuse, rape, you know, all sorts of things. And then women 
blame themselves because they say, well, I flirted or I was open energetically um, to that person or I wanted the kiss or I wanted their attention. And it can be very confusing, particularly in, in instances of sexual abuse, because we're your child. And on the one hand, sometimes, especially if it's familial, that can be really hard. You want this person's love and you want their attachment. But this thing, this other thing is happening and you're not sure it's OK. And sometimes it even feels good physically because it, it, your body is designed for pleasure. And it's this complex set of extremely um, difficult, traumatic things. And yet what we really needed wasn't don't have sex. That's not the answer to this problem, clearly, or we wouldn't still be swimming in abuses of power and of incest and of um, sexual abuse, which is so rife, like the violence against 50% of this world's population, the gender violence that we still continue to experience so much from my perspective comes because of this split, this toxic shame that we have as a collective that we're not animals. And we keep making it more um, pronounced, the more afraid we get of the animal and the primal instead of addressing it and teaching little girls, mm. hey, I see you're wielding your power and you're learning how to flirt and get what you want. That's really beautiful. Let's sit down and talk about consent. Let's sit down and talk about being responsibly wild. Let's sit down and talk about if that uh, energy creates harm or harms someone else or you feel you feel harmed. Let's talk about you having a relationship with the powerful force that's waking up inside of you, which is becoming a woman, which is this primal creative force that is the energy that creates and destroys worlds. And you will not shut it down. You might shove it down and then it will come out sideways, right? We can suppress, but we, <laughs> yeah. we, but we can't get rid of. And so, so for me, I had this split and I was a sexual being and I was always surveying all of my friends, you know, do you orgasm? I'd been masturbating since I was eight and, you know, very deep in that pleasure, but knew I should hide it and that it was wrong. I also lived in a small town. So I got a boyfriend from 14 and back to back to back serial monogamy so that I could have a lot of sex without being labeled a slut, which is, in which is yeah. interesting, like ridiculous, honestly. Um, very similar I've journey over here. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. So that split happened for me and, and I st I'm still healing that split in my psyche, by the way. So, you know, what I've come to realize personally is that, that I am both ape and goddess. I am both mm -hmm. human ego, fallible, tragic human that I came to be and the divine incarnated as Angelica for a while and that the that my life exists in the creative tension between those two things. So for me, the richness of my spiritual practice comes when I can include my primal sexuality as well as transcended. I, I can't leave it behind. And for me, riding that energy, there is no more powerful energy on this planet than the erotic charge of desire. From my perspective, desire is the arrow of our soul that points. And I don't mean the cheap cheeseburger version of cheap cheeseburger version of I want it. I've got to have it. No, not that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about yearning, the thing inside your soul that says, oh, that moves you the way that art moves you, the way that you feel turned on 
aliveness mm. ultimately. That's what Eros is. It's the energy of aliveness. And if we're not celebrating, worshiping, aligning with, praying to life, life, love in full expression, then from my perspective, what the fuck are we doing? What's the point in spiritual practice? Mm. It's, it's dead. It's hollow. It's empty. We're bypassing. That's what that is. We're transcending without including, and that is not a, a solid foundation. And the more, from my perspective, in touch with our primal, fallible, messy human we are, the more trustworthy we are, the more in touch with our erotic impulses and urges we are, the less likely we're going to inflict harm on ourselves or others with them. But it's such a powerful energy that we're all so fucking scared of it that we try to shove it down and mm. keep it separate. But guess what? It's not going anywhere. So we have to occupy that split and start to create a sense of connection and that creative tension between the human, the primal, the sexual, and the spiritual. And God, it's fun. And I'm very biased, but to me, there's no more worthy inquisition in life. Absolutely. Wow. This I cannot wait for this episode to air. This is like a clinic in <laughs> in like self-intimacy, exploration, eroticism, spirit. Um, and I just I love the way that you weave it all together. And it only comes from this lived experience. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I resonate so much with what you're saying from Catholic school to being a very young masturbator to sharing that with my friends, but keeping it in secret to the serial monogamy. Um, and, and people who listen to the show, I, I've spoken about it before, but if you're new and you're resonating with this, um, it's, it's, it's not really rare. It's very common that most of us grew up in this purity culture. And so I love the way that you spoke about purity being the inclusion of everything and using sort of like white as the um, the analogy and the spectrum that it includes all colors to get there. And, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of different traditions will tend to keep these things separate. But the more you go on your own journey, and I found the more you take that um, spirituality, devotion, discovery, whatever you want to call it, into your own hands, the more you will find that you cannot progress unless you bring everything along. And in plant medicine, where I have found more safe spaces, as you said earlier, like in my later years and started to feel comfortable working with those things on my own was when I really started to include you know, things like sexual trauma into my ceremonies and working more one-on-one -on -one with very specific people. And that has been the beauty of like integrating the animal, me, and the human form and moving towards more, yeah, divinity and, and goddess energy. So yeah, thank you for sharing your journey. I would love to know because I think the biggest question I have now and maybe people listening is what major I guess points in in your exploration have been the biggest. So if someone if someone's listening and they're like, wow, okay, I want to get here, you know, what are the steps that you took to go from, you know, maybe a, a disempowered young woman, uh, like how I'm thinking about myself at 19, 22, maybe having experiences that were traumatic, that where I was not in my power, um, to 
you know, how I am now, I can think about three or four different moments where I was like, I'm so glad I was in that room. I'm so glad I took that course, or I'm so glad I had that partner, you know? So, um, what were those for you in your journey? Mm. How did you become this, this awakened woman? Awakening, I would say. <laughs> yeah, awakening. Right. Yeah, endless. But I think the first thing that comes to mind is I, I moved to Brazil when I was 19 um, with my then partner, husband, actually. We secretly eloped, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but um, living in that culture, learning that language. And don't get me wrong, there's plenty of machismo in Brazil and there's strong Catholic roots. So sex is still, there's still that big split, but the, the split's almost more pronounced, the polarity is more pronounced. So in Australia, um, there's a split, but you don't see people expressing their fire and their like desire and desirability and you know, letting their bodies be touched by the sun and touch and dance and passion. Essentially, lust isn't prominent in the culture that I grew up in. And yet I, I felt this fire in me. And so when I went and lived in Brazil, although all of that lust is really present in the culture and sex is still really wrong and shamed and you shouldn't do it before marriage and everyone's doing it in secret and they have these hotels that you drive in and have it's like a garage essentially some of them you just park the car and you can have sex in there it's like it's crazy but <laughs> but the lust and the passion and the fire and the touch and the dancing and the embodiment was so present that I was able to um, experience myself through the lens of that culture in a totally different way and have I would say my first like awakening um, not spiritually because I I have always had a connection to God since I was a little girl. I mean, if people listen to my mm -hmm. podcast and you hear the very first episode, I talk all about, you know, this terrifying experiences that I had with energy and extraordinary states of perception. But so that was always there for me. It doesn't, doesn't mean I lived into it. I was a total fucking nightmare and extremely wrapped in unconscious survival strategies and behaviors. But I always knew that, that, that this was a spiritual reality. I never, I never had to wake up to that. I had to learn how to integrate that and live into that for sure. Um, but as far as like reconnecting my sexuality and having a sense of embodiment, I would say living in Brazil connected me to my body and my pleasure in a way that was far more shameless than I had experienced. And I kept that with me, you know, and now it's more common to wear a thong bikini and um, yeah, but I just like, got to started wearing thong bikinis and was like, oh, I can be in my body. And it's like, okay for me to enjoy this body. Like Brazilians mm. really fucking enjoy being in their bodies. They dance and they laugh and they touch and they let the sun tan their butt cheeks. And they, you know, they're, they're having a good fucking time being in their body. And I didn't, I wasn't around yeah. that. Like that wasn't part of my culture. So I think that, that was pinnacle. Beautiful. Wow. So well said. And such a contrast because, yeah, I think we live in a society that our, our bodies are the problem women, you know, as they're starting to develop. It's like, oh, that we have to cover that up. You know, as you said earlier, pull your skirt down and don't touch it. Um, and and it's going to cause a problem and it's going to get you hurt. It's so, dangerous. Wow. What a beautiful thing to do to be really immersed in another culture and learn through them, that embodiment. I mean, whenever I think of Brazil and I've never been, it just feels like the most 
alive, sexy place. <laughs> so it's high on the list of mm-hmm. things that I want to – places I want to visit. Um, yes. And how old were you at that point? 19. Okay. So what a, what a great time <laughs> when everything is like really alive <laughs> and just yes. coming online. Awesome. Wow. And how – so I know that you have programs, um, and I would love for you to share the work that you do. You work with um, all people, right? Not just uh, women and femmes. Um, predominantly women and femmes and couples. Okay. But, yeah. Can you share a bit about the work that you do and what you offer? So if people listening want to work with you, they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I run programs a couple of times a year. And I also work one-to-one with clients. I have two kind of factions of my work. I coach coaches. So at the moment I'm training um, a group of coaches in my psycho-spiritual somatic approach to coaching. That's a a year-long program that kicks off at the beginning of each year. So if people are listening and they're a coach or would like to be one, that's an option. Um, I also do one-to-one mentorship for coaches. So coaches and facilitators, healers, highly sensitive or intuitive gifted humans who need someone with an extra good bullshit meter because <laughs> sometimes if you have gifts then your um gifts are awesome but then your ego gets wrapped around those gifts and it's you need someone who can track you um so i really really enjoy working working with coaches and healers and then the other side of my um one-to-one coaching practice is working with um, women femmes and couples so working with them around erotic and relational intelligence and um, you can find all of that on my website, angelicarolina.com, or if you go to angeldrake.com, recently became a Drake in the House of Dragon now <laughs> with my husband, but they both go to the same place. But I think probably the easiest way to connect with me is Instagram. I'm pretty active on there, which is Angelica Alana. Beautiful. So you recently married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredible. Congrats. How was that? You want to share a little bit? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, Did you have a ceremony? We did. We had a little elopement and ceremony uh, last February. So it's been a year, actually, just over a year now. Um, It was beautiful. It was like kind of spontaneous in a way. (laughs) Uh, We were engaged, but yeah, we, we just, it all kind of fell into place in a really beautiful, magical way. And we wanted to go to a different piece of land that we were planning on buying, but it, we were snowed in and so we couldn't go. We planned to go on our own, but then the night before, because we got snowed in, a bunch of our friends got snowed into our home. So we were like, I guess they're all coming with us and um, ended up getting married at the end of our street, which, you know, unbeknownst to us, seven months later, we bought a home on the same street. So now we can actually see the spot where we got married pretty much from our balcony, which is pretty wild. It was things work out. <laughs> That's incredible. I have chills. Yeah, it's wow. beautiful. Magic so is beautiful. real. Mm. Mm-hmm. Magic is real. And I love that. I love when I hear that people eloped. Um, Pasha actually surprised me with a wedding. Wow. Um, so it was like, a, it was, it was like elopement without consent. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> and, and there, <laughs> and there were, um, yeah, it was it was really cool. There were only four people there, um, and it was perfect. And honestly, like if I had planned it, that's probably what it would look like. So he was very intuitive and very confident. Mm. Um, 
because we weren't even engaged. We, he proposed earlier in the day and then drove me to the place where he had a wedding set up. So when I hear other people have, you know, magical, non-traditional um, ceremonies or, you know, commitments, it really always makes me smile. I feel like we're kind of part of this cool club where <laughs> we didn't do the whole bit. Yes. I love that so much. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, oh, I, I wanted to ask too, just for clarification, are all of your your work mostly online or do you do any in-person retreats? Yes, it's predominantly online. I did a retreat at the end of last year in Tulum, which was so, wow, fucking epic to be in the room with women. It was um, a rewilding retreat. And there will be another retreat coming up actually in Ibiza at the end of this year um, with one of my dearest sisters mm -hmm. best girlfriends and um, teaching partners Rachel Pringle we love to um, teach rewilding and wild awakening together which is our little brand name wild awake so we'll be hosting a wild awake retreat in October in Ibiza amazing well we will keep up with that so I can share it and and let all the listeners know when it's going to be um well this has been incredible <laughs> Um, thank you, thank you so much for your your time this morning. And um, I hope we get to do this again because I would love to pick your brain on many more topics um, and, and share this with my listeners. But for now, uh, that is all. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.